You're listening to Commissioned, a podcast where we address a wide variety of topics within the Christian faith for collegians. My name is Laura Clement, and I'll be your host. Before we get started, I do want to apologize in advance for any technical difficulties we may experience uh, since this week's podcast is being recorded online. So this week's episode is about vacation. Vocation, not vacation, vocation. <laughs> With me, I have Robbie Jung, Hannah Lee, and Helen Hahn. Hey guys, thank you for being part of this week's podcast. Can you give us a brief introduction of yourselves? And let's go ahead and start with Robbie. Hi everybody, uh, thank you for the invitation. It's an honor to get one from the Laura Clement. <laughs> um, but anyways, my name is Robbie Jung. I am a school principal and I'm also the worship director at Living Hope. My name is Hannah Lee, and I'm a pharmacist at the USC School of Pharmacy. Hi, guys. My name is Helen Hahn, and I'm currently an occupational therapy student at USC. Sweet. Thank you guys so much. Um, so now, can you just provide a summary of your current career in general, what you do, and what led up to it? So again, let's go ahead and start back with Robbie. Um, so I'm a school principal. I um, finished college and I was an English major in college. Uh, so all the love to the English people out there. And <laughs> I, um, I went into education. I taught in the inner city for a little bit. And then I taught at, uh, in the suburbs for a little bit. And I became an administrator. And um, I did all of that in high school, in the high school setting. I was an assistant principal for a few years. And uh, in the last three years, I've been a principal in a kindergarten through eighth grade setting. And uh, it's been a real treat for me. Um, that's, I mean, every day, and there's no such thing as summers anymore, but um, I, it's just such a treat. And I get to do that. And I also um, get to serve at church on staff, on the paid staff. And uh, that's, I, I count that a blessing as well as the worship director, doing a lot of the behind the scenes things that um, help us get Sundays up and going. Mm. Um. I am, my official title is clinical staff pharmacist at USC. Um, I was in the TAP program, which is called Trojan Admission Pre-Pharmacy. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure if they got rid of it, but it's basically like you do three years undergrad and you get automatic um, acceptance into the grad school there. Um, I just, I think what made me like lead into this position was I come from a poor pastor family. My dad is a pastor of like a small immigrant church. And I just wanted to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I thought pharmacists made a lot of money. And um, I actually ended up marrying a poor pastor. <laughs> and, um, and now I have a lot of school debt and we don't make as much money, I guess, now I know. Uh, but that's kind of how I got to pharmacy. Thanks. Um, yeah, my name is Helen. I'm currently in school to become an occupational therapist right now. And I also attend USC and am racking up a lot of debt in the process <laughs> as well. So I completely relate. But um, basically, for people who don't know what uh, OT is, it's um, we work with a lot of patients who experience physical or uh, mental or lifestyle limitations. And uh, basically, we help them to overcome or live with those limitations and help them to do what they want to do or what they need to do. 
So that's basically what my profession is and uh, what led up to it. Um, I think I was pretty lost during post-grad and my quarter life crisis came really early around 22, 23. Um, and it hit me really really hard actually mm. um but then a mentor at the time kind of introduced me to what OT was and then I realized that it fit me and my personality better than anything else I was considering at the time so I kind of started over during my crisis and pursued OT thank you thank you guys all for sharing that we feel like we have a really great panel here uh Today's podcast, I'm going to go ahead and kind of just divide uh, the setup for how we're going to address this topic of vocation. Uh, it's going to be calling the uh, practical life and just kind of ending it with some sweet advice. So let's go ahead into the first topic of calling. A lot of the students listening or even not students who are listening are lost and they want to figure out what their calling is you know how do you decide so if everyone can share a little bit about this uh, what were some challenges you faced in deciding your career so you know why don't we just have pick up a little bit with what Helen was saying uh yeah so um well before I go into that story I think background is I have a I have very traditional first-gen immigrant parents and they were pushing really, really hard for me to go into nursing. And then uh, we actually had a big fallout that lasted for a few years regarding this issue. Um, and then I ended up not being able to talk to them on and off the course for the uh, course of a few years during post-grad. And then um, until they saw that I got accepted into OT school and that it was a relatively stable medical job, um, that's when we started being able to reconcile. And I think within that time, the challenge was having to start over because after graduating from UCI, um, I had to take two more years to finish my nursing prerequisite classes. And then when I was ready to apply, I felt like nursing wasn't really for me. And then my mom is actually a nurse who works at UCLA County. So I would hear all these horror, sto horror stories all the time. And then I just really felt, felt that bedside nursing wasn't what I was made for or meant mm -hmm. for at all. And then mm -hmm. uh, I think when I found OT, I just realized that there's um, more <laughs> prerequisite classes that I had to take just to apply. And so I think I was really at a crossroads because it was already the middle of my second year of post-grad. And then mm. I felt like starting over would mean that I really hadn't accomplished anything and I had nothing yeah. to show for what I was working towards the first two years. And so I felt like I, would, I was going to be really old by the time I got to grad school. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was really challenging. And so I remember debating between just sticking it out with nursing because I had already worked towards it and I was familiar with it versus uh, deciding to change paths into OT and mm -hmm. um, go into a field that I was even more uncertain about. So that was a really big challenge. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Robbie, what about you? Um, <clears throat> anyone that's around education, you, you know the saying, um, you know, those who can't teach, <laughs> if you've ever heard that before, 
And uh, obviously, you know, that's a real dig at anyone that's in education. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a joke. Well, I hope it's a joke. Um, (laughs) I take it that way. But, you know, the biggest challenge actually for me was, uh, and I'm just going to let you know on some of my sin, is that, um, you know, I, I have a lot of pride. I have a lot of pride. And um, I, I saw all of my friends in college go into fields that were incredibly lucrative, um, mm-hmm. incredibly prestigious. And uh, just everywhere around me, like they were becoming doctors, and lawyers. I mean, you know, just all the typical yeah. careers that you hear. And um, that's when I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of praying and a lot of um, uh, changing what I was praying for. I used to pray for a job and I started praying for a calling. You know, I started praying for mm-hmm. a vocation and a ministry. And and I think um, that's when God gave me um, this field of education. And actually, you know, there's a little bit of a backstory to that too, With at the risk of uh, my brother actually listening to this. But um, I came, you know, growing up, like I went to a really good school, really good public school, um, went to a good college, um, just everything was kind of like on track. And at the same time, um, my brother, who's younger than me by a few years, um, he, he ended up, he did okay in school, maybe met the wrong friends and dropped out of school. He dropped out of high school, which maybe for an Asian American family at the time is pretty taboo. And um, that, that kind of rocked our family. And so um, I share that because the reason why he dropped out of school, I'm convinced is because the adults in his life at school gave up on him. Mm. And, you know, I, I just made a commitment uh, around that time that, you know, I was going to serve the community that I, I work in or I live in. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy, but that's, that's really been the, the thing that's pushed me into education. I've mentioned that in every single interview that I've ever been in. Yeah. Uh, I, I've worked in a lot of schools and districts and, uh, I've mentioned that every time, you know, because I think it, it, it matters, right. Cause it's, it's just from the heart. It's not like, uh, anything, um, concrete or anything like that. I mean, it really just is something that drives me even today. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but trying to overcome that, that almost like that stigma that is on education. Uh, about it being a lowly career or something like that you know so yeah thank you thank you for sharing Hannah what about you I guess like piggybacking off of what they said about like the stigma um I don't feel like I had any challenges in deciding so I was just a high school student when I applied for the program and I had a family friend who did it and she said it's stable and she kind of like paved the way for me um I just felt like it was kind of boring and like when people would ask me, like, yeah, I'm seeing you, yes. Like it wasn't very like I was passionate about it. And like everyone else felt like when I was in college, like, you know, people were like studying the music industry or computer graphics or like some, something fancy. Like I think I hear now a lot like speech language pathology. And like you feel like even OT, like you go, oh, you're helping people and like there's like counting pills or like that's what I thought like pharmacy was all right. And so I think it's just but then I didn't realize on the flip side, some of my friends who were um, undeclared, undecided, like they would later tell me like, oh, you know, I thought like you, because you were in this program, it seemed like your whole life was already like stable and like planned out and I can read that about you. And so I guess it's always like grass is always coming down the other side. Like mm-hmm. I thought like, oh, it's kind of boring. I don't know if I want to just planned out later, like for me. And then on the other side, it's like, oh, like, I would love if like anything, like I feel lost and like scared. Um, so yeah, I guess 
that was a something that I thought was challenging to me. Like, do I want to be stuck in this? I felt like trapped almost, like I can't get out. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's good to kind of hear you guys all sharing, you know, even though we're kind of starting off with these difficulties that it's, it's not easy, you know, then I think that's kind of good to outline and for the students and for our listeners to just know um, that it's, it's never easy, right? <laughs> um, but going into just the next question, which I feel like a lot of our listeners um, might be dealing with and, um, Helen, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of direct this question to you because I kind of do know that you might have um, some good advice to give about this. So the question is, what do I do if my parents are adamant about me going into a vocation that I do not want to go into? Oh, man, that uh, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly don't know if I can give a correct answer because I don't know. I, I straight up didn't listen to my parents. Um, <laughs> I chose not to listen to them. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, I think that for me, looking back now, I feel so much gratitude and just like utter joy and satisfaction from following the path that I knew and I felt God was leading me into rather than what my parents were trying to lead me into. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if I was a nursing student or a nurse right now, I think I would have a lot of regrets. Um, so I think I would maybe encourage students who are experiencing the struggle to honor your parents first by listening to them, um, what their concerns are and asking questions about why they feel that you know this job or this vocation is a good one to go into. And then maybe respectfully explain your opinion to them. Um, and I think whether they listen to you or not, that's out of your control. And I personally went through such difficult cycles of trying to honor my, my parents like that and then having it end up in a yelling match. Um, but yeah, I think if you truly feel that God is calling you somewhere and that what your parents want isn't aligning with that, I would challenge you to step out in courage and uh, follow that even though the people closest to you may not support you at that time um, mm -hmm. and I've in that process I think I've found and I've realized that parents really really do want the best for their children and their way of expressing it might not translate that intention all the time yeah. but I think later on when they see that you are grateful and and joyful and satisfied in the path that you chose, I, I'd be willing to bet that they'll come around in some time. Yeah. And I think that's like so true on what you said. It's, it's not so much, I mean, it is about what you're saying, but how you're saying it. I think, you know, a lot of the times when we do have that kind of disagreement between our parents, um, it can come out not as honoring, you know? So if it's, having that conversation, not every case is going to be case by like a similar case, but it's having that open conversation while still being honoring, like honoring towards your parents, I think is um, some definitely some great advice on that. Um, 
another perspective of what uh, students are kind of thinking about in this time, like if they're not really pursuing a career that's, you know, in the health field or that's so in the front lines of being giving, like giving, you know, maybe they're thinking about a job in sales or being an accountant or um, something that's a little bit more office-like. How, the question is, how is something like an office job or a little bit more mundane, how can that be glorifying to God? And, you know, how can I glorify God in a secular job? And Robbie, do you want to give your two cents on that? Yeah, you know, I I would challenge the question a little bit. So how is an office job, you know, glorifying to God, you can really fill in the blank, how is being a pharmacist or a principal or OT, anything glorifying to God, I I would actually Mm -hmm. say that um, it's not, (laughs) it's not glorifying to God. I don't think the job itself is what glorifies God. I, I think what may be more important here and probably more relevant for the, the students listening is it's how you do your job. It's how you prepare yourself as a person to do your job. Uh, I, I'll tell you that like I've met some, I mean, I work with a lot of principals and I've met some really, really amazing principals that, you know, their brothers or sisters, uh, they love the Lord. Um, they, they just have such a big heart. And I have so much to learn from them. And I've learned and I've seen uh, uh, principles that are really crummy, you know, and so it's not the title. I mean, the title or the job is not what brings glory to God. Um, it is how you use that position, whatever it is. You could be the, the Chick-fil-A um, drive through person. Mm-hmm. You could be a principal. You can be anything, you know, the president of the United States. It's how you do that. Um, I think that brings most glory to God. And and in the same way, you know, I don't think it matters if it's a secular job. Um, mm-hmm. Like I work in a secular job, right? I'm a principal. I also work in a non-secular job. I work at church. Mm-hmm. And um, same thing, you know, you you can be, believe it or not, you could be a pastor who brings no glory to God, mm-hmm. right? So I, I really believe that, especially if you're in your young 20s, mid-20s, um, which, by the way, I recognize as being like one of the hardest times of life, period. Mm-hmm. Um, work on yourself. You know, I mean, we all should be working on ourselves all the time, but really work on yourself because that, that's something you can control, right? Mm-hmm. Like versus what job you get. You can't, sometimes you can't even really control that, mm-hmm. but um, do that and, and bring glory to God through, through the way you conduct yourself. Definitely. Well said on that part. So I want to continue on into the next section of questions that's going to talk about um, just practical, you know, the students or the listeners, they want to know how you're doing. Um, They want to know how, okay, you've made it past this point. Um, How are you doing? And how are you practicing, you know, what you were thinking about? So this question kind of goes out to everyone and just kind of give us uh, some information about what were some of the challenges you are currently facing in your career? Uh, Maybe we can start off with Hannah. So, um, I think with COVID, there have been some challenges like physically mm-hmm. where I'm like scared of like getting or like I'm considered essential worker. So in the beginning, um, just all the like like health, health scares and like being around people. Um, but also I feel job security is a little bit scary. Um, pharmacy is very stable. Like I think it'll be around for a long time. Um, people are continuing to get older and living longer, medication. Uh, but I don't know if you know this, but recently Amazon bought out PillPack, which is like a 
medication ordering dispensing company. Mm-hmm. And so now Amazon is like, I even got an ad in my like Instagram feed for um, ordering your medications through Amazon. And I was oh, like, wow. Oh, my job's <laughs> you know? So uh, it's very, and it's also very saturated here in Southern California. So if you want to like, um, like, you know, if, if there was a pharmacy student right now, I would feel like, oh man, it's really hard to, or tough to get a job um, in SoCal. But um, I mean, my family's here, my friends are here, my community is here. Um, I wouldn't want to leave, but like, if there was nothing for me here, then I would have to. So yeah, I think that's something that I think about sometimes. Like, um, am I making myself indispensable in my field? Like, or can, you know, just another pharmacist replace me really fast? So that's something that I think about. Even 11 years into, you know, I, I, I'm not like climbing the pharmacy ladder. So like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like, this, it's not this corporate ladder that I'm climbing. So I feel like maybe a little nervous. Mm-hmm. That's just, I don't know if it's my own like insecurities. Yeah. No, thank you. Helen, what about you? Um, well, I think I'm the only one here that uh, is not fully in my career yet. I'm still mm-hmm. in training. Um, yeah. So I think I can speak only from the perspective as a student right now, but yeah, I really resonate with Hannah about COVID. um, And I know a lot of the listeners are students and yeah, online learning has been such a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not only in the sense that it's hard to learn through just a screen and you can't see your peers, but also, you know, balancing your mental health while you're in, your house all day, Mm -hmm. um, not being able to study with people, um, not being able to see your teachers, your classmates, um, and even uh, our fieldwork opportunities, which are critical for our graduation. Um, We actually have to have in-person contact hours by our national um, uh, occupational therapy association in order to graduate, but then the fieldwork sites are turning students away because it's not as safe and they don't want to take the risk. Um, and so I still don't have a placement for my next semester, uh, mm-hmm. which is really critical for us. So that's another challenge. Um, and yeah, just trying to keep up a social life and not just study all the time, um, yeah. balance my mental health. I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. Um, but also trying to stay faithful to uh, what I've been called to do in this season. I think those are my challenges right now. Yeah. And even um, for you, Robbie. Man, um, yeah, I I talk to teachers, um, like particularly the teachers I work with all the time. And uh, they tell me, and you know, probably more than half of them have more experience in education than I do. Uh, I've been in it for however many years they've, they've been longer, but mm-hmm. almost everyone says to me that it feels like right now is it's their first year on the job. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the, the advice that I was always given to teachers is that the first year truly, truly, truly is the hardest. Like your head is underwater. Most of the time, your second year is a little bit better. And I feel like your third year, you start flying a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's probably true for most careers. Um, but if you've been teaching for 20 years 
and you feel like it's the first year, that's tough. You know, mm-hmm. that's really tough. And I, 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 you know, I know Hannah and Helen both alluded to it, but just really having, uh, it, really putting mental health at the forefront is important um, for anyone in any field, um, because right now it's just hard, challenging to be anything right now. Yeah, definitely. And um, just, you know, being, being a, in a career myself, and we kind of are on this hamster wheel of just kind of go, 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 and we're working and working and we forgot, forget to stop and just kind of check to see if we're okay, you know? Um, so I definitely feel you guys on that. And that definitely is a struggle. Um, may not be as comforting to our listeners to hear that, <laughs> you know, it's still hard. It's not going to just be easy once you get a career, but um, yeah, nothing's ever easy again. Um, Robbie, just to kind of piggyback off of like what you're talking about, I want to ask you, because you're kind of in a different situation, uh, being bivocational, what are some of the challenges and blessing of being bivocational? Um, <laughs> well, the, the challenge, the big challenge is like, when do I find time for my naps? <laughs> because I love my naps mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes like there are some weeks not always like this but there are some weeks where like I, I go mm, this calendar doesn't look too good um, I'll tell you the biggest challenge of being bivocational is trying to remain organized mm-hmm. and uh, you know for those of you that don't know I have a wife I have two boys um, you know 12 and 10 years old they take a lot of my attention and time too mm-hmm. and uh, I I need to make time for them. I can't ignore them. Um, and so I think the biggest challenge of being bi- bivocational is time because 24 hours a day is given to everybody no matter what, right? Yeah. But the, the blessing, like the, the flip side of that, the blessing is that I really get to work with um, twice the number of people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, like I think every job I could think of doesn't really matter what it is. Um, it really does have to do with people, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it really truly is about people. And so maybe that's the challenge too, right? Because sometimes people could be hard to work with, but um, it, it's a huge blessing. I, I have some of my closest friends I made in, in the education field, some mm-hmm. of the closest friends I've made in, in, in my church work. Um, and uh, it's been, you know, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's great to hear. And um definitely give give you some props and kudos to you for you know doing it technically you kind of have like three jobs your father your principal and the worship director so that's a lot on your plate but it's really good to hear it's actually um the hardest part is that laura clement is on the worship (laughs) okay so trying to manage that is you know yeah um, i'm just trying to make that part of your vocation you know a little bit more interesting so (laughs) Maybe, maybe I'll kind of give you a little bit of an easier time. Maybe not. <laughs> um, the next question is, uh, I think a lot of, or not a lot, I don't want to say a lot, but more often than not, I feel like we're hit with a kind of a rude awakening of, oh, you know, like I wanted to be this or I wanted to do that and sometimes like Robbie said we're not in control sometimes it just doesn't play out that way you know we are not that the doctor that we wanted to be or we're not you know pursuing uh, being a lawyer that we initially said you know we all write that what do you want to be when you grow up when we're like in kindergarten or something and you know we say astronaut um 
president or everything, you know, so we're just kind of hit with a rude awakening of reality. Um, so the question is like, is it okay to not be as successful as I thought I was going to be? You know, how can I be content? And if Hannah, if you can kind of share what you think about that. Uh, so this is going to be a really weird reference, but um, back in high school, right when I was applying to colleges, this movie came out. It's called Spanglish. I don't know if you know, but Adam Sandler's in it. It's like one mm -hmm. of the very few serious movies he's made. Uh -huh. And um, like, I don't have to go into the whole movie, but the movie is basically an application letter to, I think it was like Stanford or Columbia, that this immigrant girl whose mom is like a house cleaner and she cleans Adam Sandler's house. And like, she's writing this letter from this immigrant child perspective. And the end of the letter, like after she writes this whole, or the whole movie is like the story of her mom and her and their relationship. Like there's like these, the writing that goes up on the script or on the screen. And it says like, it doesn't matter if I go, if you accept me, like what school I go to doesn't define me. I am my mother's daughter and then like mm -hmm. the movie ends uh -huh. and I was like sitting in the theater like bawling and crying because I was like <laughs> yes it doesn't matter what school I go to you know like I'm my father's daughter like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what school you go to what major you have what job you have like none of that defines you like we are the children of the most high God I know mm -hmm. that sounds so like cheesy um, and of course, I'm a pastor's wife, and it sounds like, yeah, she has to say that. But, but really, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, it, the label of what job you have, of what school you went to, like, you feel like, maybe you think it matters, but it doesn't. And it's not, like, you know, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're God's daughter, you're God's son. Mm -hmm. And, like, if that's our identity, you know? Um, and yeah, that's important to me that our listeners, our, our tutors, our students know like their identity is not in what school you go to or what major you have, but that you're a God's son and daughter. Yeah, that's definitely some good advice right there. The whole identity, this topic is all about, you know, our vocation, but regardless of that, that's not our main identity here. You know, that's definitely some truth um, and a good perspective to have, you know, when you're thinking or when you're even working, even for us today, as a reminder that our jobs are not our identity. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and enter into the last topic or the last section of our podcast where we just want some advice from you three and, um, if you guys can all address, or can you just share an encouragement to the students or listeners who really might not know what they want to do, you know, for those who are really undecided or undeclared, or they're pursuing a career or, or a major that they're really not sure why they're in there. Um, so they feel like they don't really have direction, and they're not even quite frankly excited about the path that they're on. Um, what would you guys say in terms of encouragement for that? And um, we can just start with Helen for that. Um, I think it's hard to, uh, having gone through that kind of season myself, not that long ago, I don't think there's any piece of advice or encouragement that'll instantly, you know, fill you with hope or make you feel better. But I think if there's one piece that I could offer, it would be 
to really not be afraid to explore and don't be afraid of your age. Um, I think for me during post-grad, when I hit that um, early quarter life crisis, I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like I'm already what, like 22, 23. And in my mind, that was such a big age for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of our listeners are even younger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might have some of that thought as well, but don't be afraid of, you know, age and, you know, but don't have thoughts like at this age, I'm supposed to be in grad school. Um, at another age, I'm supposed to be full-time employed. There's no age that determines what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think with that thought in mind, I would encourage our listeners to not be afraid to explore, even though there's so much uncertainty with that, and learn through trial and error and get to know yourself through that process. Yeah. Robbie, what are your wise words of encouragement <clears throat> for that? <laughs> um well next time can you just let me go first because uh helen and hannah keep saying holy answers i want to keep going after the holy answers (laughs) okay Um, you can go first on the next one i I don't have a holy answer (laughs) you know i was at church uh i actually at living hope uh, a few years ago we had a solo conference there and um i was giving a seminar on actually similar topic as this and uh after the seminar three different people individually separately came up to me and asked me you know hey i really want to be a principal what advice do you have for me and uh, i looked them in the eye and i said i didn't know what to say okay so (laughs) the first thing that popped into my head and i realized it was kind of rude and abrupt you know later was uh uh, if you want to be a good principal or if you want to be a principal then just be a good teacher you know i i think sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves And uh, I, I'm speaking from experience. You know, I, I was that same way. I wanted to be a principal uh, after about two or three years of being a teacher. And I realized that I wasn't even a, a, an accomplished teacher yet. What was I thinking? How was I going to lead teachers if I couldn't even teach myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, not to say that it, there's a certain path, but really, truly, uh, for anyone that's sitting there undecided or they don't know what's next, you know, what's next is what's next, but like, you really have to worry about the now, like do what you got to do to make yourself better. Now be a better teacher, be a better pharmacist. Mm. Now be a better student. Um, you know, if you're waking up uh, at, at 11 in the morning um, and rolling the class hour late in your pajamas, cause it's on zoom and having your video up <laughs> and uh, you're doing all that stuff. I don't know, when you get a job, life is going to be really hard for you, <laughs> um, you know, and, and so get in the good habits now, build the good habits now and, and really start working on your heart towards people. Because again, that's the one thing that doesn't change. And that's the mm-hmm. one thing that will either make you miserable when you're 40 or happy and fulfilled. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I want to be happy and fulfilled, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so you got to love on the people. That's, that's, uh, that's the best thing you can do now. Yeah, definitely. Especially with, you know, COVID and um, everyone's working from home, probably getting a little bit more lazy. Um, But yeah, Hannah, what's uh, your advice on that? Uh, I guess I would have to say that you're never like set in just one job. Like um, I've been at USC Pharmacy for 11 years now, and I've actually been contemplating a career change for a little bit. 
I don't know if I'm too nervous or scared. Um, I think it might be because I'm around college students and I'm adults, and so I think I'm still young. And so maybe I think I still have a lot of time. Um, but yeah, I've always loved kids. And um, even with like Abby's daycare and stuff, like I always felt like I wanted to set up my own daycare. So I don't know, maybe 10 years from now, I might, you know, have a daycare for Laura and Helen's kids to come to. (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of like a little side dream maybe of mine. Um, But I have a coworker who has been a retail assistant in USC for 40 something, 42 years now. And like, she said something to me that always stuck with me from day one. And she said, whatever you do, you do it with excellence and to God and not unto men. And like, it doesn't matter if we have a rude customer like yelling at her or anything, but like, yeah, she, she just like, that was like from the beginning. And I think that just like kind of carried me through, um, whatever I do, whether I open this daycare or whether I stick with pharmacy or, you know, in my day in and day out, just to, um, do it with excellence and to God. Um, it's just funny how like things don't ever change from like the elementary school playground days, like being popular and being liked and being like, you know, um, that kind of stuff. It's still there, even in the workplace. Like, oh, you don't, even if, even as a boss, maybe, like, you don't want anyone to hate you. And like, you kind of play into like, the, um, like people's emotions. And like, I think with time and the prayer, like you gave the courage to what's right and to God and trust that all things are brought to place. But um, it's hard not to like be swayed by people and how they feel, how you feel even there. And um, I think Robbie's right. Like it's about relationships and like how you deal with people. Um, those things are important. Like way more important than whether you got an A or B on your test or even final grade. Like how you handle difficult situations if somebody like you know, in the workplace like wronged you and like how you reconcile that relationship Mm -hmm. um those kind of things are important over like you know right now as a student maybe like getting an A or doing really well in the class is important um or if that's not important and you're not studying then um yeah I don't know (laughs) what to say but like um all those things are holistically important and like um yeah, I think it's important to be faithful to your job right now as a student, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for sharing. Just uh, the final question now. Um, maybe your last remarks or your last piece of advice that you felt like you may have left out. But what is the best thing a person can do um, to be, you know, a student and be faithful vocationally? Know, just some last minute encouragements to any current college students or anyone who's listening. Um, why don't we, Robbie, you can start with you so you can get all the holy <laughs> answers out first. <laughs> I'll give you your I, last hurrah. I, I Googled this, uh, I <laughs> typed in holy answer and this is what came up. <laughs> um, uh, you, actually, all kidding aside, um, I, I know Hannah and Helen like alluded to this so much, but it's so true that our identity is not in our work, right? Mm-hmm. Our, it, it's not only in our work, I should say. Um, and maybe the flip side, another way to say that is that um, our identity is in Christ, 
you know, Jesus calls us his own. And that's the first bit of advice, like until the day you die, that is so important. Mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I think Hannah, you were saying you had a coworker that was getting cussed out or, you know, whatever it was. I feel like I get cussed out sometimes on a daily basis <laughs> and um, sometimes, you know, and, and uh, if I'm doing this being a principal thing, because, you know, for the sake of being a principal, like I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. It's not worth it. Like, I'm like, I can't handle the stress and, you know, but I know I'm serving my community to glorify God, you know, and, at the end of the day, to be able to live a gospel life. Um, and, you know, I, I think people come to Christ through those ways, too. So the advice is to remember whose you are, who you belong to. And I think that the, on a real practical note, um, build the good habits now when you're in school. Because uh, I can't tell you how many people, you know, they, they come into teaching for like two years, three years, and then they quit. So they're like, this is not for me. I'm like, well, I talked to them, you know, because they quit on me, right? Because I hired them. Like, oh, why are you quitting? Is it me? <laughs> Did I do something? And they're like, no, 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 no. It's just hard. It's hard to um, get up and, and come to work uh, daily. And, you know, the community doesn't appreciate me. And, and I look at them and go like, it's hard to get up and come to work. What are you talking about? What job do you not have to wake up and go to work? Like, you know, so build, build good habits now. And mm-hmm. don't wait until you get a job because otherwise you're going to get started off on the wrong foot. And, um, and I, I think college is the best time to do it. Do it when you don't have to do it, you know, and start with waking up early. That's a good one. You mm. know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, be, be content driving in traffic because that's a good one too. <laughs> right. I can go yeah. forever, but those, you know, it's those types of things. Yeah. And Helen, what about you? Um, yeah. You know, before I, go I can definitely attest to the fact that Robbie wakes up at like five I would see him Sunday mornings at like seven seven thirty and then he'd be like oh I was up since five six in the morning <laughs> on a Sunday no. but yeah anyway I think if you're a college student um like Robbie said just be consistent and faithful in what you're tasked to do right now um but in addition I think and this is a very practical uh, piece of advice that I, I wish I was given, uh, make school prayerful. I think often, even, even mm. right now as a grad student, I do school aside from God. I do school separately from God. And then when I'm finished with school or before school, it's my time with God. But then I think building those habits right now of, you know, s- studying um, prayerfully, uh, praying before a test, praying for courage, for strength, um, mm-hmm. praying through your fears and your doubts and doing school with God, I think is such a big piece of advice. I, I wish uh, somebody had told me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's really hard because we detach what we have to do, our duties um, from our QT time or Sunday time. But yeah, I just want to say, this is what you're called to do. This is what God called you to do. So do it with him and not apart or aside from him. Yeah. Thanks for that. Last but not least, Hannah. Like adding to that, I think I did that for a really, really long time. I separated my work from like my relationship with God and ministry. I thought my Monday through Friday, like I'll fuck you, God. This is the place you have given me to make money 
and this many funds, my family and my ministry, and my real quote-unquote life is on the weekends or during the week nights when people are in our house and we can ministry together with me and James. And I got rebuked by the mentor recently, and she pointed out to me that work in Hebrew means worship. And she called me out. She said, Hannah, are you worshiping God in the workplace? Mm. And yes, I was working hard. And yes, people generally saw me like um, give excellent work, but it wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't joyfully worshiping God in my work. Mm. And like, you know, your job right now, students who are listening, is to be a student. Like, and so are you, is in your work, in your study, are you worshiping? Like, are you just like kind of going through the motions or are you in, like helping inviting God into it? Um, yeah, like it's not like here are the puzzle pieces, like my work and my school and my family and my friends, but it's just one piece. Like God is in all of it. And yeah, that would be my piece of advice for a question. Yeah. Wow. Thank you guys so much. That was the final question. But just to provide our listeners with maybe just a wrap up, if you know you weren't paying attention up until this moment, maybe um, I can kind of give you a brief summary and just a lot of what I've been hearing. So when it comes to just calling, it's all about you know, the how, where is your heart? Where is your perspective? You know, and um, it's not just about the job. It's about um, glorifying God. And, you know, you're not in control. And we're learning that as a common theme and just all of this. And when it comes to just being practical, when you are in the job, you know, we're sitting at a desk or, you know, we're living our lives or in our career day to day, and it starts to become so routine, but to not lose that motivation or to still be happy and content in your work is identifying or knowing what your identity is. And it's in Christ, you know, not the job, which um, will fill you if it's part of the job. And we, I think we'll all can attest to that. Um, a job will fail you because again, we're not in control. Um, and just the advice, you know, like exploring your options, like Helen, you mentioned, and just doing that when you're young and you're in college, like you don't have to feel like you have to have the full puzzle all set you can have pieces and find different pieces and knowing about the now and realizing the now like doing your good practice waking up early um, making it making God part of your everyday your studies your job it's just those little things that are going to build good habits later too and I think these are all just practical advice and um, a really good way to set our mindset. So I just want to thank you all again for joining me on this week's podcast. Um, and if you're listening and you feel like, you know, we haven't covered something you want to hear, and I know that this topic in itself is just so big and so wide. Uh, so go ahead and uh, leave a comment or go and email us at r28 at livinghopecc.org. Um, Thank you again for listening to Commissioned. This has been episode five, I believe. We made it. All right. Thank you so much again.